Thank you all for joining me on another episode of Jay in Transit. This is episode seven of my COVID confession series, One Year Later. So excited to bring you the story of Heavenly and Robbie as they navigate being newlyweds, um, also transitioning in powerful careers and learning how to be partners. I hope you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, Heavenly. Hey, Robbie. How are you? We're good. How are you? Good. I am so excited that you guys um, had some time to join me um, and help me kind of bring your stories to life um, as I'm doing this series for COVID Confessions one year later. Thanks for having us. Okay, Hev, so you know you've been on here before, so we're not going to be more formal than just that. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm talking to my friend and my other friend and that I gained through marriage, which I'm so excited about. And so before we get into the, the meat of our conversation, I'd love it if you two could introduce yourselves. Uh, yeah, I, I'm Robbie. I am the husband of Heavenly. Uh, <laughs> by the highlight so far. Um, <laughs> outside of that, I, I'm a middle school teacher. So, and I'm the I'm Heavenly. I'm the wife of Robbie, and I am a high school learning coordinator. And I'm also your friend of 22 years. That is bananas. Yeah, that is crazy. Because I think, I mean, I wanted to say we are twenty-two, but I guess that. I but no, far. we're so we're we're firm twenty-four. So clearly, we met when we were two, and you know, kicked it off. There we go. That is, <laughs> that is so awesome. Um, so I wanted to chat because Heavenly, the last time you were here, we talked about your journey um, that led you to Rob to Robbie. Yes. And I know so much has happened since then. So um, I'd love to hear what you all were planning um, before we went into shutdown in 2020. Um, what was what was your relationship looking like? Were there any grand plans that you all had set up um, a- as we were leading into 2020? Um, that's a great question. I think we're going to not only talk about our relationship plans, but also our separate professional plans because those were kind of tied together because I mean you know we're both educators we used to work together we used to create professionally together so that piece I think is also has always had a big impact and influence on our relationship um but we were definitely yeah we were definitely planning on um a May 10 2020 wedding so that was probably like the big thing that we were um we were set on it was the anniversary of the day that we started dating um and Robbie picked that as our wedding date because it lined up beautifully as 5 10 20 so it was really sentimental that was so cute yeah so that was probably the big plan what would you say Uh, I'd say the one thing that like just to add to that is that was our plan for like our formal ceremony um, our marriage got 
fast forwarded because we had to have an American marriage, which means meant that Heavenly had to marry me because of health insurance reasons. <laughs> uh, real fast. Oh, so the nitty gritty behind the love. Yeah, that, that that was the American side of things. Uh, we're trying to get our the 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 government piece finished real fast, uh, so that she could get on my health insurance, and that was all not necessarily like in reaction to COVID-19, the pandemic, but it was stuff that was going into that sheltering in place piece. Yeah. Cause we got married as um, China had already shut down yep. and there were whispers about Italy getting ready to shut down yeah, and, at, and what was going to happen from there. Yeah, at that point in time, I was planning a trip abroad with students to Italy and I had everything lined up and I'd seen some of the writing on the walls. And it's like, all right, let's go ahead and do this. And heavenly needed some, um, medical treatment anyway. So I was like, well, screw it. We're not going to wait until May and then have to pay some stupid medical bill. Let's just get this done now, at least through the justice of the peace and whatnot. Yeah. Which I think yeah. it was like the last weekend they were open before they shut down uh, because of uh, shelter in place. Oh, that's yep. wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause remember a lot of stuff started shutting down prior to everything grinding to a halt slow stop so i think that's one of the things that we kind of forget um because you're absolutely we- right i i only have march 16th of 2020 but things were markedly getting more sinister before then yep. yeah like even the last time uh heaven and i went out to dinner with my mother like we noticed already in Louisville, the, the restaurants were being more spaced apart. Tables were not in the same places they used to be. Limited capacity, and that was before any kind of mandates or lockdowns had gone into effect. Yep. yep. And where were you all at the time? We were in Louisville, Kentucky. Yep. That's funny that Louisville, Kentucky, in real life, <laughs> was distancing. But what we're seeing on TV is a totally different story. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we're like taking precautions ahead of this whole shelter. But I will say though that that Louisville did a pretty good job during um well, during well the I will say Louisville lucked out when the fact they had a uh per- a science believer in both the governor and the mayor going into that space. Which okay. had that happened even a year before that wouldn't have, would not have been the case. Uh, well, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, put everybody in a better position. So, so you made these um, practical decisions for yourselves um, as human beings and, and people. What were some? What do you think were some of the other things that had to be fast forwarded because of that decision and um, the stay in place order? Wow. So the. I mean, a lot of it, like, won't, won't sort of. Fast forward, and I apologize, I'm going to kind of answer the questions sort of roundabout. Um, a lot of the things that we had sort of planned that was going to take shape and space in the following months, we had to go into poverty mode. Um, okay. At that point in time, Heavenly was working a, a long-term substitution position as a teacher, but we found out very quickly, even actually we knew this, and finding space for uh an educator in Louisville was not an easy thing in the independent school systems, especially for Heavenly being one of maybe like three people of color that was working in the entire city of Louisville as independent educators. Wow. Um, And with that, that meant that we really had to like look at our budgets, figure out what we could and couldn't do with one income. When we had really kind of anticipated there being at least one and a half to two incomes in the household during that school year and going into law or just during lockdown in general. Yeah. Right. And then on top of that, I came to Louisville both looking for a full time teaching position, but also coming with 
my own business of working with kids um, uh, as both a tutor and a an academic coach. And so and and just moving to Louisville, when he talks about that poverty, you know, mode and mindset, I had already had to reduce my going rate, my hourly rate by 30 percent. Then when when shelter in place hit, I lost 60 percent of my clients it felt like overnight, it was for sure within a week between people having to really, you know, that my, my wheelhouse is ADHD and high anxiety. And so trying to Mm -hmm. work with that population over zoom at the height of the pandemic, when everything was uncertain was, it just wasn't happening. Number one. And then number two, there were families who had to also restructure and, and think about their finances. So that was like, that was a huge one. But what we went, when we went into shelter in place, we thought we were going in for like just two weeks and then we were going to all go back. We thought we were going to go back to business as usual. And when it turned out that that wasn't it, what we started doing is initially we just were looking at how could we make our life in Louisville better. So if this is what things are right now, um, because we walked into it burnout Mm-hmm. and overworked and underpaid mm-hmm. and questioning what we were doing. And and he really questioned um, his career course and what mm-hmm. he wanted to do and where he wanted to go. And so, Robbie, how, how were there any transformational or uncomfortable um, changes that you were going through during um, that time as you were trying to figure out where you fit in in, in your space? in your universe. Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. So, you know, the, one of the things I had, we had both got, gone into Louisville in general, sort of in um, positions of distress in our lives, mm-hmm. uh, financially, career-wise, personally. And like, you know, it was a blessing to find Heavenly and, and have her move in with me in Kentucky. Um, but we had, de- let me see, we, but specifically myself, I had developed some very, counterintuitive ways of managing my stress and my anxiety. And a big part of it was my first year in Louisville when Heavenly wasn't with me was to throw myself into work mm. uh, way too much. The point where I was every weekend where there was some tournament I was going to, something I was coaching, some academic program I was running. And then when uh, lockdown occurred, that all stopped. But a lot of the ways that I was managing my stress, which will be, be quite frank, was uh, very much alcohol induced, mm. became more pronounced and more normalized. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that became like a, a, a poor cycle that I was into. Um, now, when it comes to like career wise, I had already achieved everything I was going to be able to achieve at that school and in that that city within six months of moving to Louisville. And I don't say wow. that a, a braggadocious of any means. This is just me coming in with more energy and ideas than they could potentially keep up with. Keep up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when lockdown occurred, I had a frank conversation with both the head of school and the head of the high school and it wasn't productive. It was disheartening. And at that point in time, that was when I was like looking at, so the way we had gone to Louisville and physically myself, cause I was the impetus to, to that for that move, right. but also just, what we're going to get out of the city anymore. And that was what that moment was like, yeah, pretty much nothing. So <laughs> that's when I told Hev, like, you know, you go find a job anywhere and we'll go there. I don't really care at this point in time. And I'll figure out something once we get to wherever we need to be. 
Yeah. So that's what he was dealing with. And then on top of that, like I had already started uh, networking with a lot of the nonprofits in um, Louisville and doing work. I was doing work with the Louisville Urban League. I was doing, um, which it opened up a lot of doors for me. I was doing work with the Muhammad Ali Center um, in terms of getting out, meeting and connecting with movers and shakers in Louisville. So when we went into lockdown and as he was questioning his school and really not even questioning, but challenging them to, um, to make some healthier shifts for him. Right. I was finding as many ways as I could to stay connected in the community and dialed in. And so I ended up joining um, board of a middle school that mm-hmm. serves uh, predominantly black and brown students. I joined the Louisville Urban League's Young Professionals Board. Um, and, and in the midst of all of that, we just started asking ourselves, okay, if this is our bottom, if this is what you like, we don't want to go any lower than this. Mm-hmm. Where do we want to be? What do we want to do? And you know, I really went into, um, cause I was still long-term subbing in the middle of the pandemic. So we're both on zoom and, and doing zoom calls and work with students. And I literally just started going, what would really bring us joy and what would bring mm-hmm. me joy and what, where would we be happy? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so that was pretty much, you know, I, anytime I get asked this question about wh- what brought us to our current circumstances, it really did start with that conversation. Um, and, and we both had trust in each other that whoever found something first or, you know, made the move that we, we would be able to go there and, and follow suit with them. So that's where it started. It started with a dream. A dream. And, and trust, honestly, I was, I was, yeah. I'm always giving kudos to, to the vulnerability and bravery that it took both of you to, you know, let one lead and the other follow because you knew that, you know, you can switch places and be okay. Or did I mischaracterize that? No, you got that one. And, you know, and it's, it's such a, it's such a really big point, right? Because I, I listen to, there's all these things with these memes going on about like, and, and conversations I feel amongst people our age and within our generation in terms of the idea of a provider mm. and, and, and well, is he like paying all your bills? And, is, and, and this is very much, it's a very much a heterosexual conversation. It's a very cisgender heterosexual conversation about being provided for. And that's not a real relationship. That's called patronage a relationship <laughs> is really built on trust and 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 knowing that just like you said that at any point in time it could be the other person can be in the lead and so you want to make sure that you are doing everything you can to take care of yourself and to pull your weight and to support your partner and to know that they would do the same thing at no point in time in Louisville did I feel like um Robbie being the breadwinner was being held over my head. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of us, uh, we're both contributing to things we want to do in our dreams. It really doesn't matter who's making at the end the slightly higher paycheck that month. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went from my doing it for a year and a half to mm-hmm. have now doing it for the last year and a half and probably for the foreseeable future mm-hmm. at this point in time. So, and, and hey, if she wants to make the money, I can say, home, I'm fine with that. I don't care. 
I will go to the gym. I will walk the dog. I'll make the food. That's all good with me. Um, but was there an internal shift for you? Because um, Hev did make a very good point about um, these uh, our cisgender idea tr- of traditional relationships being um, male driven as the provider. Was there any vestiges of that for you that you had to um, come to terms with or, or smooth out? <laughs> No, <laughs> no. Um, I'm laughing because like, uh, like he- Heavenly's always been my North Star when it comes to a lot of things that I, I want to kind of achieve uh, in my own professional career. She's always been the person I put on the pedestal about the one that person like, you know, I learned the most from her. She's the one that's taught me the most as a teacher and as a human. Um, and like just the fact, you know, she, I mean, it makes no sense why she wouldn't be earning more than I am because she's more capable than I am. So that entire like mindset, I think is just stupid where it's like, no, I, I if it was a true meritocracy, she'd be making twice as much as me, if not three times as much as I am. And I, you know, it's more annoying that she's not because we couldn't do more with that money. Like that's all it is. And you already know that I'm going to absolutely counterbalance, you know, his statement with the fact that um, I, I very much married the perfect person for me, mm-hmm. just his ability, my ability to be able to talk to him about any and everything, but especially professional and the amount of times that he breathes life into, you know, these kernel of ideas that I have. And he is definitely my number one editor. He's the person I've run everything past. Um, and so, yeah, so he can say all that, but then, you know, I'm just going to counter it with, I, I feel the same. You're about allowed to be wrong once in a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, I'm I'm feeling like I'm intruding on some intimate conversations. So again, I thank you. I, <laughs> I wanted to see if if you all would share some of your most difficult times as you were um, mm-hmm. getting used to married life and what you two were striving for professionally, but also. Mm-hmm. Um, as you were coming into your own person to be a couple. Yeah, girl, that's wow. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, like, I I just first want to say that, like, we've been married a year and a half, and sometimes it feels like five or seven. Or I was about years. to say, I felt yeah. like I was talking to a, a, a couple married 10 years, but. <laughs> yeah, you know, and the, you know, I marveled about this a couple of weeks ago that it is incredible to me that we were able to find each other and, and find such a healthy uh, relationship at the time that we did, because mm-hmm. we were both really, really, and I don't even think, I, I know for me, I didn't realize how deeply I was until I got to Louisville the year um after we started dating, mm-hmm. but our, our jobs had worn us out. They right. broke us. They broke our spirits. Um, our, the administrators that we worked for um, were not suited for us is what I will say to say politically correct. Robbie was healing from um, his divorce and it was, we had, we had both adopted going into COVID Um coping mechanisms that were not suitable for long-term mm-hmm. and, and, you know, it was like the two of us and Bacchus in that house. So, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was just, I mean, it, it very much wasn't, was an alcohol frenzy, which at times was great to escape from, you know, the uncertainty of the pandemic and just stress, but in, you know, was also 
really bad, you know, for all the, you know, reasons that people like to think uh, that alcohol is bad. <laughs> um, and, you know, I will also say this and then I will definitely let you interject money. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if your marriage is not ready, if your relationship, if you are not ready, not having money will will wear you the fuck out. It'll Mm -hmm. wear you out very quickly because it's hard, right? Because money in this capitalist society uh, allows you choice and options and security. And so getting hit with that, April 2020 was a very dark month for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, my business got hit. I didn't know what's happening. I didn't have another um, long-term substitute gig lined up. There was a lot of uncertainty for me financially. And I just, and just a lot of bills that were still coming due. And even with him being the breadwinner, I didn't want to leave him um, and to leave us floundering. I, and it just, it was very dark for me. And I know that that impacted um, our relationship. Thank you for sharing. Sure. Um, I mean, like, as have mentioned, like I, I was married before um, Heavenly and I got together. She actually knew me uh, previously when I was married. Um, so it's one thing she saw that relationship come to end. And it was, <laughs> to put it blunt, like uh, my, my previous marriage, which was for five years, was a very tumultuous one as well. Um, not as well. That's not a good way of putting it. But it was tumultuous. Uh, <laughs> It there was, was a as lot... tumultuous as your career before now. Yes. Um, so, let me, okay, let me just, I had basically learned some very poor relationship management skills, uh, having aid from my parents who each have been divorced twice. Um, mm-hmm. And the relationship was toxic uh, to say the least um, emotionally, physically, the entirety of that. And then to go into my previous marriage where the moment something was wrong, a dish out of place, whatever it might be, it was a, you, you got ready to shout and yell. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of just getting to know heavenly in, in the relationship was realizing that if I messed up, it wasn't going to end up with my being yelled at or belittled or, um, mocked and put into a corner where I had to kind of think about it and be ready to apologize for my behavior. Mm. Um, and you know, the, the problem, and that's great and all, but the problem is of course is whenever whenever that happened, whenever there was a disagreement, um, the way I took it and the way I was ready to argue was I was putting on boxing gloves the moment that was happening. Mm-hmm. And that was not at all Heavenly's MO or the way she was approaching any kind of disagreements within the relationship. It was all about a, a, a platform to fix and move forward, which sounds, you know, obvious, but it's not when it's been, you know, when, when you go into a relationship in your thirties and this is all you've seen and experienced since you were a little kid. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of that was my being able to like accept that, work on it through therapy, both as, as couple ther- therapy and also individual therapy mm-hmm. on my own um, to move through it, to realize that as like when Bacchus was around, that was all that was doing was making things that much more intense right. and not and not fruitful or helpful despite the wine. Um, and getting to a point where, you know, sometimes you get to that that crest in that hill and you finally go okay get over the the edge now i kind of understand how things are supposed to roll out and under and, and move with it in that capacity um so a lot of it was like for myself specifically was unlearning previous behaviors finding out a way of communicating instead of just yelling and being heard when you're talking and not just because you were the last person in the room mm. 
what are there like were there like actual actionable physical steps that you took to get to to the unlearning part because a lot of folks yep. say I'm doing the work I'm seeing a therapist but the behaviors continue so like what what did that work look like for you um a lot of it for myself was sort of ex- explaining what I was feeling in the moment mm. as opposed to just just shouting and yelling Got and it. that sounds like a very reductive way of putting it being able to pause in the moment and that's you know, it's mindfulness, it's meditation, that's working with therapy. With but that it, it does take a moment where you just kind of pause and realize, okay, I can. My anger is valid, a valid feeling, but it doesn't mean that she's the one that needs to receive the anger. Mm. It can be simply just figuring out what's making myself angry. Um, and then with the alcohol, it, it's really just it's temperament, uh, te- just not bringing the house, reducing it, um, all the things that again seem obvious but are difficult to do in the moment. Right. I would I would add to that that you know because he touched on this with couples therapy and you know we are big believers in mental health um mm-hmm. and and all of the the work that is put into that and so we had just right before shelter in place i think we had had like two sessions yeah. or ma- maybe three with a couples therapist um in person mm-hmm. and then we went into shelter in place and what was so interesting about that and 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 I am sure that that is also one of the reasons why we have come out stronger as we come out of this pandemic is being able to say your truth and there be a licensed neutral third party there to help translate it. Because there were things that, you know, I thought that I was communicating to him and they were not landing the way that I thought I was delivering them. And so I would be saying A and and I thought I was saying A, but he was hearing B, the therapist was hearing C, and Mm. then we were A, but knew I was trying to say A. So it was a it was just a great way to untangle and clarify um, our perspectives and our point of views. But then, you know, Robbie's right. It it's the work that we put in. Um, there's this Marianne Williamson quote about stand, I, you know, I gotta go back to her it's about staying in the room Mm -hmm. and that that's true partnership and there are times where we have physically wanted to walk out of the room with a and it's a misunderstanding right like Mm -hmm. so often we think about like when people are passionate in a relationship that it's an automatic fight and 9.5 times out of 10 it is just a misunderstanding but you're so wrapped in it emotionally and so we stayed in the room Mm. Uh, and if one, and, and if one of us was like, well, I'm frustrated, we listened and, and heard that. And we kept talking and pushed past what our usual comfort would be for a conversation. So what I mean by that is like, when you're yes. ready to give up. Yeah. And walk away. We were like, mm. one of us was always like, no, but I really want you to know what my truth is. And I really want to make sure I understand your truth. I don't just want to you know, close this for the sake of closing it. And there's still, you know, shit to be resolved. On top of that, we both had to learn that argument does not mean we need to assign assign guilt. Mm. There isn't necessarily somebody who's the, the, somebody's not necessarily the bad guy in the situation or bad person. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like, and just like the idea of like how relations are difficult. You know, I suffer or struggle with and been diagnosed and been on medication before for my ADHD and my anxiety. And even though Heavenly is highly trained in those areas, 
seeing it come out in an argument or a fight is very different than you're seeing it in a kid who's 14 or 13 in a classroom. So there's even parts like that, that even though like Heavenly has got all the tools, it's like, oh, right there. It's still like being open to, oh, that's what this looks like right now. Yeah, that was one of the biggest ones for me. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest ones was recognizing that that's what it was versus something Yes, else. so his huh. anger is, his anxiety, I should say, often presents as anger. And it's not even where it's at me. Mm-hmm. Or, or he's like, so I just want to be really clear about that. Like, it's not like I, like, he's like upset about something and then starts cussing me out or yelling at me. No. That's not at all what it looks like. Right. What it is, is he's just angry and frustrated about something and he, and he will, will brood or, or, you know, not try to unknot that anger, but wasn't sharing it. And so I could just feel the anger. Mm. And it would make me go, wait, did I do something? And so then I'm like in my head trying to process and think about and and backtrack my steps and be, you know, really self-conscious. And so when he talks about doing the work, a lot of it was me having to just get out of my own head and go, are you mad at me? (laughs) Are you, is there something that I did? You know, do you need time alone? Are you for, and so, and for him to then get in his head and do exactly as he just mentioned, ask himself, what am I actually upset about and work through that anger as opposed to just uh, holding on to it? Wow. Yeah. And even for trained professionals who have seen <laughs> toxic relationships at work and work with it every day, that is, it takes a lot of, a lot of like self-awareness and work for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a lot of self-work. <laughs> That's partnership. Yes. <laughs> um, well, hey, I want you to repeat that because self-work is partnership. Yeah, I would say that's probably a big bulk of it is work work on your stuff. And I think the uh, Will and Jada uh, Pinkett Smith said this years ago <laughs> that like it's just you just got to be work on yourself and be your best self and and constantly work to clarify and to refine um, those shadow parts of yourself um, that your your previous circumstances allowed to be or or conditioned you have to work through that and you have to put that down and the other one is I have as a woman you know who got married in her late 30s. So I spent so many years by myself and independent. It has been learning to get out of my head and to share my thoughts. Mm. So little things, you know, of, of inviting your partner in. Um, and that was the, the pandemic set us down on our asses. And, it, yes. and, and really, it didn't flatline us, though it sat us down and it really got us down to ground zero and we have just built from there. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I want to hear the building um, because what did it look like when you did land a job that was going to open doors for you? What did that move look like? What did the conversations sound like? Yeah. So it started actually before the job. Um, it, you know, when he, he mentions that, you know, Louisville, there were just no openings. Um, and, and the ones that there were, it just was so few and far between everything was so uncertain with the pandemic. So we had a conversation and it was, let's go look, um, outside of Louisville. And at the time, you know, a lot of it was at first started a little, 
um, organically. It was just, I was just looking for places that were within driving distance. Um, So Nashville and um, Lexington, uh, Kentucky. And, And then from there it was, and like Cincinnati, Ohio. So first everything was like just looking at driving distance, excuse me, nothing was opening up. And then it was you know what? We're dreaming too small. So it goes back to the dream. And I was like, yes. where do we really want to live? Where would we really thrive? And that was Chicago. And so then I started getting all of my professional ducks in a row. And we did that because I didn't um, have a full-time teaching position. I just had my business. So it was a lot easier for me to start throwing my net out there and my right teaching background was a little bit more um uh, I would say at that point in time mine was a was more diverse than his Mm -hmm. in terms of the subjects and the grade levels I had taught Mm -hmm. so so I was I was casting a much wider net at at different things I was I was I was trying to shoot um a lot of stuff so shoot at a lot of stuff um and so I went through a month of interviewing and through that, he was also teaching and I was also teaching. And we and again, remember, I was doing um, advocacy work for the Louisville Urban League. And yeah. this is also around the time that um, uh, Breonna Taylor's murder came into light. George Floyd came into light. Ahmaud Aubrey was coming into light. So we you know, it was. May was a clusterfuck of just really juggling and managing a lot of moving parts and he did an amazing job in the midst of his own um, frustrations with his job and turmoil and with that and just general uncertainty again because we're in a global pandemic to really be there and support me like I was doing interviews and would come out of an an interview and just cry on -hmm. his lap you know, for like 30 minutes before the next interview, because I was so overwhelmed at the state of the world. So it was a lot of, of constantly turning back inward into our relationship as we were trying to check off all of these different points Mm -hmm. and, and make moves there. And so when we found out that I got the job, which was in early June, we immediately started figuring out what would it look like to fully close out our life in Louisville? And should we even do that? Cause mm. he still had, he still had his job, you know, right. at the time. Um, and then ultimately it was making a decision uh, for us and what would, and, and leaping out on faith that chasing joy and, and would end up with a win for us. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it was okay to that that leaving the certainty that we were in, that we were leaving that how do I put that? Oh. That going in search of a healthier and more prosperous um, existence. That it was that that was worth the uncertainty of that journey. Mm. I hope that makes sense. I don't even think that that's it did. No, it did. <laughs> it did to me. Yeah. Um, Robbie, did you have anything to, to add to that? Well, I, I think partly that I think Heavenly may have glossed over because like I mean, we were very fortunate when we got to Chicago about the opportunities that really opened up for, for myself, because at that point in time, when we finally got to Chicago, Heavenly already had a position, but um, you know, we both 
recognize each other's talent enough in the educational sphere that eventually I was going to find something. Right. And it was going to it was going to work out. And so, like, it's not only just having faith that we like this, the universe has it for us, but like the fact that both of us are strong enough at our jobs that we can find something, even if it might look bumpy in the first place. So. Right. Literally in the span of a week, about three. And at one point we were thinking about myself staying in Louisville, teaching there and commuting over to be with her. So it was all these different thoughts and, and, and feelings going into that. But knowing that one of them would work out, regardless of which one we went down, whichever path we went down. And we were fortunate enough that I was able to find a position that lasted the entirety of the school year. So we were able to live together in our own space, not on top of other people or in different spheres. And, you know, we, we did get lucky with that. Yeah. And I would think I would say that, you know, when I think and I think about what worked for us as a couple during all of those different transitions because he's absolutely right there were a lot of like I don't even want to say like on the fly pivots like you know we are in the moment and the ball is in the hand and we are not sure which direction we are running to to get this goal in right we talked to each other and we talk and we had to be incredibly transparent about the fears the the excitement the uncertainty the questions the wonderings um there was a i mean we we're incredibly transparent with each other um even when i would say we're afraid of how that transparency will land for the other person so that is something that we did every single step of the way and then what well couldn't can we afford that what what are we feeling we thought we could do this can we still do that what if we did this so it, it's been a lot of questioning and transparency and daily conversations um this is this may sound like a weird question but how do you divvy up the decision making oh wow that's a good question so this, uh, rock paper scissors <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we really divvy it up that much, honestly. I think one of the, the big pieces, it's all about conversation. And then, I mean, I think Heavenly would, would admit this, like, I'm always the person who's like, all right, well, we didn't think about these things. Let's make sure we have these in mind before we go forward. And Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean no, that. and just like, a lot of it's just, we come to a consensus. Um, mm. You know, some of the, like the small things, like I trust Heavenly's brain and, and feelings enough that I don't need to question any of it. She makes a decision. It's probably the best one anyways. And, you know, if, if it didn't require a conversation, that probably it's probably not necessary to have had one. But for anything yeah. that's been bigger than that, we've just been able to talk it all out together. But a lot of this is also like I very much do not want to make a decision by myself and he mm-hmm. doesn't either. And so it's, it, you know, like I again, this goes back to partnership. I, I do. I ask a lot of I, I think we don't want to make decisions uh, that would be detriment to the other person. You know, to the other yes, exactly. So I, I like I I'm gonna go back to a specific conversation that we had while we were dating <laughs> that that really to me show the show the receipts right now. We were in we were in uh we were in Puglia. So we were in a small town in southern Italy on vacation. Minor humble brag. And I <laughs> made and I made um it was our first international vacation as a couple and I made a decision about something that we were going to do the next day with with friends that we were there with mm-hmm. and 
I shared it with him after the fact. And he said to me, and this is always something I can even picture it right at this moment. He said, I want to be factored in. Even if the decision that you want to make is, is the right decision is going to be okay. I don't want to just be blindly going into things or pulled into things. I want you to talk to me and I want to be involved and I want to know. And so from that point forward, and I was like, wow, that makes, you know, that makes perfect sense. Like I had no qualms about that. From that point forward, I, I definitely, even if it's just, Hey, what do you think if we do this? Um, that's kind of been a big non-negotiable for us that we don't really think about right now. So when you ask who makes the decisions, um, it what winds up happening is one of us will say something that we want to do or that we think uh, a direction we think we should be moving in and we bring it to the other person with the understanding that that other person can weigh in as much or as little as they'd like to about that. That's a great approach. My, my new boss loves, loves the consensus approach. She's like shouting at me is not going to get me, not going to get you your yes. Repeating is not going to get you your yes. You need to sell me yep. <laughs> yep. on why this benefits you and me. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. 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 So that's, that's how, great. that's how the decisions, you know, that's really and truly how the decisions get, get made. He doesn't like come home to like, so this is what's happening. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> So I'd love to hear what joy is looking like for you all this uh, now, in the last year, today. Y'all were chasing joy. Have we found it? I think we're on the, the road for it. I mean, I, th- I think that every every situation we've been living together and cohabitating, every, every spot has become more joyful mm. as we've progressed, as we've mm. learned uh, the, the the parts of our relationship that work and don't work and worked on the ones that don't work every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like career wise, because that is always something that is going to bleed into a relationship regardless of what it is. Right. Um, Heavenly, I would say, is pretty happy with where she is right now career wise. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot is like Heavenly mentioned earlier about my having limited uh, experience beyond my subject matter. So I was teaching Latin and I was very just tired of teaching something that I thought was useless mm-hmm. at this point in time, 21st century. Um, <laughs> so like I'm getting ready to start a job where I'll be teaching African, Indian and Chinese history. So I'm super excited about doing that. And I feel like that's, that's awesome. kind of where I want to be right now. Um, so that is all swinging along. We both like looked at grad schools. I've applied for different things to start moving past where I'm currently am in the classroom. So that's looking good. Heavenly's health is finally on the mend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it started this entire rabbit hole that has been trying like everything. Um, and it's just, you know, other than waiting for my first paycheck for this next job to come in, <laughs> you know, uh, I feel like it's the best part we've been in on our relationship. I think so. Uh, the only thing we would like to have is more money to travel abroad, but, you know, yeah. cry, is, cry all we want about it. I know. I, I, we really could be somewhere out of this country every month, you know, if if possible, we could, um, I would say, you know, every, first of all, everything that he said, yes, I absolutely agree. And I think that like to generalize it, if I were to give some other couple advice, it would be that joy is in our home because we found joy within ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so this goes back to that individual work. 
right? That partnership is about, um, it is so much, it's so much of it is rooted on personal betterment. And so we have actively worked on ourselves. So we went from couples counseling in Louisville, we came to Chicago and found um, our own therapist. And so we have separate therapists now uh, that are godsends to us. We are, he is absolutely right. I have been actively working on my health and that is coming to a very healthy place. Um, and that chapter is finally closing. He got a permanent position and has, you know, figured out his next steps for his mm-hmm. career, which was something that was a question for him right. for a couple of years, just not really sure of where he, which direction he wanted to go into. And so as we've done that individual work, when we come to each other, commune together as partners, we're more joy-filled because we are happy with mm-hmm. the, the choices that we're making. And throughout right. it, we've just remained transparent with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, not to have you repeat anything, but in the event <laughs> that you've left out some tips, uh, what were some of your lessons learned that you, you would leave for, um, for points of reflection for po- folks who are listening in to our podcast? Maybe a big one that I had to keep telling myself, um, because even though everything is at the moment, that's why I hesitated about what this last question was about, like jinxing <laughs> myself. Um, you know, the process can be painful and, and that's okay. Uh, I think that's the big part is we, we want things to be fixed now. You know, we want to lose that weight. We want to stop this habit. We want to get that job. Mm. And that doesn't mean if you're not there, you can't get there. It's right. about just like embracing the process. It was for us a process that lasted 18 months, basically. Yep. If you had told us that in month one, we probably would have been scared to even start that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but just realize, yeah, it's going to be messy sometimes. And that's not, that's not bad. That's not a bad thing. Right. And I, I think I would add to that. Um, one is, and I, I, I'm laughing at this because I can't tell you how many girlfriends of mine, you know, say this. Story. Like, you cannot stop at asking for what you want in your relationship after the first appeal. You cannot, you cannot shut down and just say, oh, well, screw it. They didn't do it or they didn't hear me. I cannot tell you how many times like he has earbuds in and I don't see them and I start talking to him and he's like, wait, what? I, I, I can't hear you. What are you saying? And that's a pet peeve of his. And I bought him the earbuds. So I should absolutely be able to see them. And I can't ever see them. And I just start mid conversation. It wasn't, I think after the 30th time of him saying that to me, that I finally got it and started to notice it. Mind you, I didn't say that I fixed it or like <laughs> magically course correct. I just noticed it. And I, there's so many people who think, well, I've said this to a person. I shouldn't have to repeat myself. And it's like, mm, human beings are not computers. We don't get it right. The first, however many times, if you want to be in that relationship with that person and there are things that are important to you, you have to, you have to be willing to repeat yourself. Why so did I one. just feel red for like? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this the 50th time that I'm going to have to repeat? 
that's a big one and it's like dude you know like you know like what like just just say it again just say it again so you can get what you want because that's what you want just say it again you know and and I think also he mentioned this earlier about that there there isn't a bad guy Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. just I would I would say like one of the things and this is touches on that as that I've had to remind myself and I like repeat to myself is be just be ha- have the strength to be mindful about what traumas you've brought into a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that could be from other relationships, from work, even that day it could be you're bringing something traumatic that you experienced at work into your home. And that's affecting how you're, you're interacting with your partner. And that's right. a big one for me that I always have to be very mindful. So what am I bringing into this conversation or this interaction that has nothing to do with heaven? And I appreciate you that you brought in work as an example of trauma because folks uh, commonly associate trauma with like a physically painful experience or an untalkable type of experience. But trauma, we're experiencing it in so many different ways um, every day. And Mm -hmm. unless we, you know, we, we, are self-aware and know how it's hitting our body and how we are presenting ourselves in reaction to it. We just keep moving along in the world like it's normal. So thank you for bringing that point up. No, that's real. That's 100%. And then the other one that I would, so I think it's like knowing that there's no bad guy that, you know, you, and if you can just function from that, that no one's a bad guy and this isn't about being right or wrong or winning. It is about, uh, breaking through barriers to uh to clarity right so Mm -hmm. i'm just we're constantly trying to break through any kind of communication barriers we may have to build clarity we are also like actively taking internal census just as he said of like is this a past trauma that i'm bringing into the guise of this or an immediate trauma Mm -hmm. um i got really sensitive we were having a conversation we were on a walk having a conversation because I had some stuff happen in a training that I had not yet really like uh, digested and processed out that was coming up in me being defensive to what he was saying and, and misinterpreting his tone in the conversation and us having to just stop and recognize that, address it and then pivot from, you know, pivot from there in a, a softer way was really important. And I, I would also say like, I, this is my best friend. Mm. I love him. I love his brain. I enjoy him. At no point in time do I question any of those things. And so that gives me, and he pours a lot into me. And hopefully I also pour a lot into him (laughs) as well. So that when we do encounter hiccups, we can, there's a lot that we're drawing on that is fueling us to, to push through that hiccup to get back to um, our joy-filled moments. That's beautiful. And I can't add anything to that because um, <laughs> that that's extremely important um, that you actually enjoy the person that you're with because it doesn't matter how much self-work you do if you don't enjoy them it's not it's gonna be wasted isn't it yeah no you're absolutely right I enjoy him hopefully he enjoys me he's 
You ain't bad. <laughs> um, we our non-negotiables are were were said very early on, and we actively demonstrate that those non-negotiables are still non-negotiables and are and are still being protected and upheld. And um, and so we're able to to move forward from from those points. Great. Wow, Uh, that's been powerful. And um, to wrap up our conversation, I ask Heavenly and Robbie what they're looking forward to most. Um, (laughs) But I think for us, it is really one, I think one of the hardest things that most people are going through right now is really shedding COVID. Mm. And and what I mean by that is that mindset of that we were in for sheltering in place. I, I you know, was we were planning um, a lovely December trip that we actually have with you coming mm. up. Yes. <laughs> we, we, I, 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 I was scared, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, what if it if if it gets canceled or any of that? So I think it's it's really beginning to to dream out loud again and to trust. Mm that we're getting back into the place so we can really plant roots. That's probably the biggest thing for us is planting roots. Now we mm. love Chicago and, um, and really beginning to build and, uh, and expand our family. Those are the things that we're working on right now. Wow. Well, I am honored to have been given an inside peek into, into your relationship and your personal self. So I appreciate it. Oh, thanks. Man. Did I, did I leave you out, Robbie? Was there anything else you wanted to share about your future plans before we close out? Just, you know, getting used to just sort of working, coming home, and then all be in one space. (laughs) (laughs) Looking forward to, honestly. Okay. That's, that's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Great. Well, I'm wishing you, it's not even luck. I'm wishing you continued blessings um, because I, y'all make me happy and proud to call friends and I can't wait to see where, what's next. Thanks. And you know, we love you and we can't wait to see you. Yes, soon. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. You took some notes. Um, If you did enjoy it, make sure to share. uh, Tell your friends to come in and listen. And most importantly, rate me on your favorite listening platform. Until next time. Mm